Welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturges, Mississippi. It is our goal to take the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you not only enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we hope and pray that it changes your heart and moves all of us to life change and action. God bless and enjoy. Today we're going to look at Judas's betrayal. And so Judas's betrayal is one of the key things within God's Word that we know is pivotal because of what Jesus came for. See, we know if you've studied God's Word that Jesus came to die. Jesus came as a payment for my sin, for your sin. And we know this because He did not sin. He was blameless, yet He chose to take the cup that was ours and He chose to be crucified. I think at any time, I believe at any time, He could have stopped the entirety of it all. When He was betrayed, when He was to be taken away, when He was to be crucified, He could have stopped it all. But there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be a payment for our sins. There had to be a way that was created. And that was Jesus. That was God's plan all along. And there were so many that came along throughout the Old Testament that proclaimed that there was a Messiah that was to come. And so many people, what did they think? They thought the pomp and circumstance, right? They thought that he would march through the towns and he would just have this military regime and he would reign as an earthly king. But if Jesus was just an earthly king, he would have been an eternal king. So, so many people thought he was going to be that kind of conqueror that would go and conquer lands much like those of Roman descent did. But he came for the souls of mankind. He was there to fight a different battle. And this is one of the battles that you and I have to fight ourselves. We fight a battle within our lives over sin. And the only way to conquer that battle in our lives is through Jesus Christ alone. So we're coming up on a time of Easter in a couple of weeks. And we're, we're, we're approaching the idea of what's going to happen to Jesus Christ. And it lends us for a number of reasons to ask a bunch of questions. So John chapter 18 is where we're going to land today. But in John chapter 18, the big question comes, did Jesus have to die? Did he have to die? Well, I've heard many a theologian and many a writer say it like this, that God created Adam and Eve and he gave them everything. They chose to disobey and eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. Essentially, they wanted to know what God knew. Because of their actions, they brought sin into the lives of mankind as well as many different difficulties and troubles. Now, we know just as sin entered through Adam and Eve, through one man, Adam, then what? Sin had to be removed through an acceptable sacrifice from God, Jesus. Jesus was on that trajectory from the beginning to allow mankind to become right standing before God through the forgiveness of our sins. So when I see Jesus on the cross, I see my sins taken upon him. Y'all think about that. I always thought about it like this. Uh, I imagine things and sometimes my mind imagines things. But can you imagine a moment right there where, where you see the cross and you see a mud puddle in front and see the reflection? That reflection, he sees. 
should be us because he's dying for me and for you. And all he can say is forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. So he took our place on that cross, but he also arose from the grave. And what did that demonstrate? It demonstrated that sin has no hold on us who have accepted him. And there's a future resurrection, meaning he's coming back again. So did Jesus have to die? Yes. Jesus took our place. Jesus became what God needed to make us clean. Jesus overcame sin once and for all and showed us there's a better way, there's a better life. And so the betrayal of Jesus was not something that took him aback. It wasn't like he said, I've got these 12 guys, but there's one. He knew what was to happen. He knew all of the details because we, well, I think we can sometimes separate the man Jesus from the fact that he is divine as well. Did Jesus know that was going to happen? Yeah, he knew it was going to happen. And he took that cup we could not take ourselves. So why do you think Judas tried to betray Jesus? Why not another disciple? Well, we know Judas was in charge of the money. We know Judas was one of those that said, why are you giving to the poor? Why are you giving to these people? Why are you doing these things? There was already this seed that was already there. But why not another disciple? That's been a question I guess I'll have to ask on that day specifically. But it says in verse 1, it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the ravine of the Kidron, where there was a garden in which he entered with his disciples. Now Judas also, who was betraying him, knew the place, for Jesus had often met there with his disciples. Judas then, having received the Roman cohort and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. So they came. There. Now, this was a place that Judas already knew about. He was familiar because, you know, Judas was one of the 12 disciples that was with Jesus, that saw everything that Jesus was capable of and had heard him and and even had been at his feet. And Jesus had spoken to him and Jesus had chosen him. So this was one of those things where they were coming in the middle of the night that others might not know what they're doing. And so they were looking for Jesus, but he already knew what was about to happen. He knew what was about to happen. And Jesus chose anyway to be obedient. He chose to go. John 18, 4 says, So Jesus, knowing all the things that were coming upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus, the Nazarene. He said to him, to them, I am he. And Judas also, who was betraying him, was standing with them. So when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Therefore he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, so if you seek me, let these go their way. To fulfill the word which he spoke of those whom you have given me, I lost not one. Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. And the slave's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put the sword into the sheath. The cup which the father has given me, shall I not drink it? 
So the Roman cohort and the commander and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him and led him to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now Caiaphas was the one who advised the Jews that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the people. Now what, what that book, what John leaves out there is the fact that Jesus grabs his ear and puts it back. Now this is for the people that were taking him in, yet he had compassion on them. <clears throat> These were the ones who were to betray him, yet he had compassion on the people. And I think when he looked at those Roman men, and he looked at others around, he had compassion for the sin that was in their lives. And even though they knew not, he said, look, you can't drink the cup that I have. You can't do what I'm about to do. And so he, even in this, verse 14, Caiaphas, that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the people. So even in the act of all things, the subtlety of God's movement in their lives is still apparent and active. It was not lost on folks. We like to think that these people were oblivious, but it wasn't lost on folks of what Jesus was about to do. And before Jesus was captive, captured, uh, he was out praying, right? He was praying, praying hard, praying so hard, what happened? Sweat, blood sweat came down, but he knew and accepted that this was the plan that he had to follow through with. But he spent time in prayer. He knew what was about to come, but it was more important that he did the will of God. And so we see as we read farther in this story, we see Peter. Now Peter was one whom was loved by God, by Jesus. He was loved, right? We know Peter was one who understood that he was the Son of God. We know Peter was one that followed and did the things that were necessary to be a disciple and to leave things behind. But, but it came a point where things got kind of hard, didn't it? It was difficult to be a follower associated with Jesus Christ in the time that Jesus was being tried. As he was being there, as he was being beaten and scourged, as he was going through all of this, I can imagine as the disciples kind of scurried away, there were many that were standing around like he was. So why did Peter deny Jesus? And greater still, why did you and I deny Jesus in what we say and do? We like to think, well, Peter should have known better, but what's our excuse? You know, we think of all the things that we engage ourselves in, and while you might have never stood up and said, you know, I don't believe what I say I believe, sometimes our actions and sometimes our interactions with others prove differently. In verse 15 it says, Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so was another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest, but Peter, Peter was standing at the door outside. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out spoke to the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Then the slave girl who, was, who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? It's important you hear this. He said, I am not. 
Now the slaves and the officers were standing there, having made a charcoal fire, for it was cold and they were warming themselves, and Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. Now I can only imagine how it all laid out there, but I can imagine him standing around this warm fire, having done that one deed and said that I am not following Jesus. And then you see that Jesus is there and answering all the questions that are coming about. How many of you have ever been asked a thousand questions? And you're kind of like, I'm just tired of being asked all of these questions. Or maybe, maybe you go to a doctor's report and they're trying to get your medical history so they ask you everything again, right? And you say, well, can't this be on file somewhere? Can't these questions be somewhere else out there? So you get asked a thousand questions. Or maybe you're a parent of a child and they ask you a thousand times why something is going on. So there's all of these questions, Jesus is being all, almost in this way, if you're a fan of those crime TV shows, he's being before the judges, before the people that are there in authority, and he's being asked a whole lot of questions by people that are trying to condemn him. In other words, they believe they have the evidence it is required to condemn him and to crucify him for their own. So he's answering the questions. Verse 19. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teachings. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. And I spoke nothing in secret. So Jesus said, everything I've said, you've seen me say. Everything I've done, you've seen me do. Why is this all taking place in secret now? So he says this, why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. When he said this, one of his officers stood standing nearby, struck Jesus and said, is this the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, I have spoken wrongly. If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if rightly, why did you strike me? So Anna sent him down to Caiaphas, the high priest. So Jesus is answering the questions, yet it's not the answer they want. Jesus is answering the questions, and often was answered questions by the Pharisees and so forth, but Jesus had an answer of biblical proportion, meaning that he could pull back from the Old Testament and explain why he was doing what he was doing and what he was saying. But those who wanted to have this measure of religious authority or power greater than Jesus, or they were looking for the pompous circumstance military leader, they chose to send him to be crucified. I think it's important we see that. And we see in verse 25, Peter coming back into the story of John 18, verse 25, says, Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. Now one of the slaves, the high priest being a relative of the one whose ear Peter cut off, said, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter denied it again, and immediately a rooster crowed. See, this wasn't something that just happened. Jesus spoke to Peter and said that one of the disciples would deny me. Not me, right? Peter said, not me. I couldn't do that. Not me. I'd never do that. 
not to me. And, and so he had the grace of intention. But when the heat got turned up, what happened? He started saying things differently. When it became on him as a disciple and fear of his life, it changed the way that he reacted to those around that were trying to convict him as well as Jesus Christ. So he denied it and denied it and denied it again. And I have to think when that rooster crowed after the third time, what happened? I have to think in his mind, he said, oh, goodness, what have I done? And sometimes we get into those states where we're doing things we ought not do, and then reality kind of sinks in, doesn't it? And we say, oh, goodness, what have I done? What have I done to those around me, but what have I done to God? How have I betrayed Jesus in the actions that I've done? How have I sold Jesus to, to such a small level as if Jesus could not save my friends and family, could not save those that were around me, those that need to know Jesus, that he could not do that? How have I sold short what God can use me and do? How have I betrayed Jesus? Because we like to think, well, there's Judas, and we're not like Jesus. But if we're a disciple, follower of Jesus Christ, believed and saved, born again, we're disciples. Sin is still part of our story. And so we have the ability and the permission to sin. Oftentimes we like to think we don't do that. But every day is a struggle. And every day we fight and ask for forgiveness because of what Jesus did. He might use us again. And we know later in the story we'll see Peter's interaction with the risen Jesus and what he says there. But here are some immediate takeaways for us as we think about what this verse from Judas betraying Jesus has to mean. The first thing we take away from this is Jesus died for our sins. I want you to understand that, that Jesus died for me and for you. He died for all peoples at all places at all times. So what's our response this morning to the gift of salvation? Do we know the depths of love that Jesus has afforded us? Y'all, there are so many in this life, and maybe it's you, that feels like they want to find love in all the different things in the world. The things that are afforded by media, culture, the things that are said and written out there, the things that are promised yet fall short. But the depths of love of Jesus, there's no greater love than Jesus who laid down his life for his friends. And if you and I are believers in Christ, aren't we not a friend of God? So he laid down his life for us. Do we know the depth of love that he afforded us? Do you know Jesus and his salvation? Secondly, is it, it isn't you getting right or getting your house in order. The way that you find out is by trusting in Jesus here and now. You know, I've heard that time and again, preacher, I've got a lot of stuff to get right before I come to know Jesus. I've got to do all these things or I'm way too damaged to come to Jesus. Jesus is the way that you get right. Jesus is the way that you get your life in order. Not the opposite. You and I made a mess of it, right? We can't get our lives in order by doing different things. 
pertain to us and our salvation. It's in coming to Jesus that we get right. It's in coming to Jesus that those who are in the worst security prison and will never get out can be free in Jesus Christ. It's the same way that all of us who are bound by the sin in our lives will become free in Him. And it's even when sickness riddles us, we can be free in Jesus Christ. And what I want to say to you is don't wait because tomorrow is not promised to any one of us. Jesus has provided a way for you and your sin that this world will never ever parallel. And what I have learned over the past years is that you and I are not promised another day. I may not be here tomorrow. You may not be here tomorrow. But Jesus lives forever. And my hope is that you understand that if you believe in Jesus Christ, that you will be with Him when you draw your last breath here. So that is the comfort that we have. Thirdly, the question, the takeaway that I have for you is have you denied being with Jesus like Peter did? This denial sometimes seems kind of silly or simple, but it's saying this, that we are ashamed and simply trying to sidestep any persecution. Whatever the excuse is, we can come and ask forgiveness for our ashamedness, the way that we live and how we deny Him. But also, we can think about it this way, that we can count ourselves blessed to encounter the trials and the tribulations that we face as followers of Jesus Christ. I would rather be counted as a follower of Jesus Christ and endure all things that Christ might reign supreme in my life and do greater things than I can do. On my own, I can't do a lot. And I know some of y'all think, well, yeah, I get that. But with Christ, all things are possible. Because it's not me, it's Christ in me that's doing those things. So we are blessed to encounter those things and to be counted as the follower of His. The fourth takeaway I have for you this morning is we're thinking about Jesus and Jesus' betrayal here. Is this word repent. I want you to understand repent and repentance means to turn away from your sin and repent this morning for the time of forgiveness has not passed you by. I want you to understand that. Maybe you've been coming for months, for years, for weeks, for hours, for seconds, however long you've been here, and you feel like the moment has passed you by, like He has been calling for you to accept, to believe in Him, to turn your life over to Him, and you have, you have held on. You have wiped up with those pews. Some of you have pews in front of you that have your handprints in them very deeply. Because you've been trying to hold on to this life when Christ wants you to let go and follow Him and accept Him. This morning needs to be that time that you stop holding on to this and start letting Him hold on to you. Because in this life, we are going to face everything. But we can choose to follow Him unapologetically. And I truly believe this, and I know you do, that He will change your life completely. Yes. 
if you let him. He will change your eternity if you let him. He will change your heart, mind, and soul, and he will help you give up the things which are easily grabbing you and pulling you into the life you don't want to walk in. But the call of Christ needs you. And many in this life need to see an authentic believer represent the real hope in Jesus Christ. Y'all, our hope is not in what happens in wars and in things in Washington, what happens locally. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus never changes. But our hope is through Jesus Christ. And as Christian believers, this is the hope that we need to be living in a world where others are looking for that hope. They're looking and searching and looking and searching and looking and searching and they're not finding it. Yes, we might stand out. Yes, we might look different than the world. Yes, we might act different than the world, but we're supposed to do that. Yes, persecution might come our way before this is over with. But I would rather be counted as one that stands with Jesus than anything else. This is the hope. And I believe as we progress toward Easter, it's definitely time to take an inventory of our life and make decisions that will change our life and those lives that are desperately looking to see Jesus in us. Because I'm telling you, if you say, I go to church, someone else is saying, I want to see the proof that you believe what you say you believe. I see you praying, but what happens when I struggle? Do you care about me too? Does he care about me too? Does Jesus love me too? And if you haven't accepted Jesus, you're holding on to the pew this morning, or are you wringing your hands this morning? I believe this, that Jesus is calling you. I believe you don't need to hold back any longer, but let go and receive Jesus into your life. Here and now. And I promise you, that kind of love, it'll change everything. That kind of hope, it will change everything. So Jesus, Jesus being betrayed by Judas, he chose to walk that road for me and for you. Would you choose to walk this aisle this morning to say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to accept him as Lord and Savior for the first time, or maybe you simply need to come to the altar and say, I've done so many things in denial of you, and I've lived in such a way I've made a mess of things. Forgive me and use me. Fill me up that I might be of use to you in this world. Help me to live with boldness in a world where others are looking for hope. And I guarantee you, if you pray in that manner, with that kind of humble and earnest heart, that he will give you the desires of your heart. He will use you in ways that you never ever thought you could. Because he does that. He takes the ordinary and takes the extraordinary. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. Your time is your most valuable commodity, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share some of it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com or our Facebook page. Both links can be found in the show notes below. Although we would greatly appreciate you leaving this podcast a rating or review, we would be eternally grateful if you would be willing to share it with someone else. 
We pray you have a God-filled day. And please remember, love God, love people, and reach the world.